You're listening to a podcast from Riverview Church in Bowness, recorded during one of our Sunday gatherings. For more information about Riverview Church, for service times or contact details, go to riverviewchurch.uk or find us on Facebook at Riverview Bowness. Well, a proper good morning. I'd like to begin this morning by by sharing something of a fairly recent discovery that I think will be relevant to today's topic. And and we're going to be in Philippians. I'm going to be wrapping this up today. But we're in Philippians 3, 20 and 21. Now, you see, I, like many of you, am a UK citizen living in Scotland, in Bowness, no less. It's a wonderful place. Honestly, sometimes I say I'm from Bowness and people go, ah. And I say, it's brilliant, it's the center of everything, it's fantastic. Um, but, but I'm often aware that I don't quite fit in as a local, <laughs> okay? Like, I know, you know, in Scotland terms, I'm a Sassanac. I, I know that in bonus terms, I'm an incomer, and I always will be, and like generations upon generations will be. Like, I feel your pain, David uh, McDonald, like an incomer, married Margaret, who's born and bred. And like, well, uh, you guys, you're incomers, really, aren't you? Like, incomers all over the place. Um, sorry, this is a diversion, but can you put your hand up if you're an incomer into bonus, please? Ah! <laughs> Sorry, guys, <laughs> you've been taken over. <laughs> oh, bless you. Well, we, we want to bless you and we want to fellowship with you. But um, it's often assumed that I'm on holiday up here. Okay. And like, I'll be out, like, I was in Loch Lomond the other day and people said, oh, how long did it take you to get here? I said, oh, about an hour and a half. <laughs> Do you have a helicopter? <laughs> you know. and, uh, and literally last night I was in the Richmond, there was a, a few people from Jess's work having a, having a wee catch up and I was in the Richmond with them and somebody behind me said, oh I don't recognise your accent, where are you from? And I said, oh I'm from Bowness, I live in Buchanan Court. No, where are you really from? And I was like, you racist, <laughs> you can't say that to me. Literally last night, I had this written down and it literally happened to me last night. And often people say, oh, the bonus in the Lake District, you know, because obviously I've got a Cumbrian accent, you know. But somehow people seem to know or assume that I'm not Scottish. I'm not quite sure what gives it away. I mean, I really try hard. And so even when I say things like, what are you greeting about, you know. or your coat is on a shoogly hook. <laughs> you know, I don't understand how people are not getting the Scottishness in me. So, I, I mean, I say, I rather do feel quite scunnered today. You know, like, what's not Scottish about that? <laughs> You're looking a tad peely-wally. <laughs> yeah, you can all laugh, you can all laugh, right? But I made a discovery recently, thanks to my wonderful big sister who's here today, hello Anna, um, because she paid for me a while ago to get my DNA done. I think she wanted to check. <laughs> there was just something, she was just like, we're not sure about this one, let's just figure this out. Uh, but it turns out I am officially, I don't know if you can see that, I'm 11% Scottish. Yeah, I mean, even, even my England is mixed with Northwestern Europe. So it's not like my, my English isn't pure English. So I, I'm going to claim that I'm more Scottish than I am English because my English is diluted and nobody knows how. But on top of all of this, I recently sat with uh, an MP and I said to him, look, 
an SNP government, uh, an independent Scotland, where do people like Jess and myself, Sassanax, where do you see us fitting in that? And he said, without missing a beat, we are Scottish. We see you as Scottish. You live here, you work here, this is your home, you're Scottish. So you have to accept now, I identify <laughs> as Scottish. I'm a, you know, boom, close the border, we're in. <laughs> I'm, I'm a mongrel bred, purebred Scotland citizen. Okay, now, here we are. I want to just change the pace slightly. Here, here we are, the long-awaited finale to Philippians chapter 3, and I know you've been expecting this, possibly hoping for this. You know, expectation and hope, they're, they're fundamental to our health and well-being, aren't they? And I know I don't want to drag Philippians out too long for you, but, but expectation and hope are about this sense that there's something more or something better somewhere we're expecting, we're, we're hoping for something more right or something more whole or, or more complete. We, we're desperately, constantly looking for this kind of stuff. We recognize that all is not right with this world, okay? And, and often, even in our smaller worlds, however hard we work to keep that safe and fun and happy and everything that we want it to be and secure, we know that even there, often we see all is not right. But change is coming. Hear that? Wherever you are today, whatever your situation, change is coming, but it gets better. Change is here already. Like hope is coming and hope is here. As Andrew said, as I said last week, there is more. Church, there is more for you. There's more up ahead, but there's also more today. There is more wherever you are in your relational experience with Jesus Christ. There is more for you up ahead and today. And do you know what? There will always be more, better, always ahead. This is brilliant. There is now and there is to come. And so as Paul prays in Romans 15, 13, he says, and this is my prayer for us today, may the God of hope, church, fill you with all joy, joy and peace so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. How are you going to get on board with this this morning? You can't cajole yourself. Oh, I better be more joyful. I better be more peaceful. You need the Holy Spirit. And I need the Holy Spirit. So here's a quick recap. Um, Philippians 3, 17 to 21. This is where we were last week. If you missed these messages, these are really relevant to today's message. So I recommend just go back and perhaps have a listen if you've got the time. But it says, join together in following my example, brothers and sisters. And just... <clears throat> Just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. For as often, uh, as I have often told you before, and now tell you again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction, their God is their stomach, and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things. But then he goes on and he says this, but 
I love the buts in scripture. This is one way that things could go, but we, our citizenship is in heaven and we eagerly await a savior from there. The Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. Amen. I mean, that's fantastic. And what we see here is now and to come. Our citizenship is in heaven where we eagerly await a savior from there. Do you get that? We're there and we're also looking ahead. So there's a tension in these two verses and that tension is the tension that you know in your life. The difference between where you are and where you know if you're a Christian, you will be. There's a tension there. Something glorious is happening now uh, and something even more glorious is yet to come. Our citizenship is in heaven because we're part of the kingdom of heaven, which is here, okay? It's here in Christ. The kingdom of God is here represented through the church, which is called his body. And so if you're a believer today, you are part of this kingdom. And this kingdom is in Boness right now. When John rocks up and he says, repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. And then when Jesus opens his mouth publicly for the first time, he says, repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Like he echoes exactly what John has said. And it's not like it's near, kind of in Linlithgow. He's like, it's near as in, it's, it's here. <laughs> the kingdom of heaven is here through the church and through Jesus Christ. And the great thing is all can gain citizenship. Listen, when Mark says this, he says, the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. That's our access point, I'll come back to that. But today I just wanna break this into two parts. Firstly, part A, what the kingdom of heaven looks like, and part B, what citizenship looks like. And a lot could be said about both of these. I mean, I could do four years on each of these. I'm not gonna, I'm gonna try and condense it right down to today. So what the kingdom of heaven looks like, what does it look like, what will it look like? Uh, and seeing what the kingdom looks like will reveal what its citizens are going to look like. So here's a few points. Sorry if this is a bit speedy, okay? That's another reason why we have the podcast. So if you go, I'm not really sure what he said there, just go back, you don't need to listen to the whole thing. Um, number one, it has a king. A kingdom has a king. We eagerly await a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. And again, there's a now and yet to come. He's been and he's going to return. In fact, he's never not been. Do you know that? Jesus is the eternal son. There hasn't been a time ever, even before time was invented, Jesus was. 
Uh, he, he was the, the word of the Father in flesh appearing, the, the risen and ascended Lord, seated at the right hand of the Father in heaven, pre- present through his church and going to return in glory. Acts 1.11 says, this same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back the same way you have seen him go. So we know some things about Jesus. He's going to come back the same way, but he's already enthroned and he reigns. Philippians 2, if you think back to there, that poem, it finishes with this. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every other name that at the name of Jesus, every knee must bow So there's past tense there. God exalted him and gave him the name that is above. Revelation 19, 16, we love a bit of Revelation. It says, on his robe and on his thigh, this is present tense, he has this name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Uh, And Daniel 7, 14, it says, he was given, past tense again, glory, authority, and sovereign power. All nations and peoples of every language worshipped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away, and his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. There is no earthly kingdom that can claim that badge. His is an eternal kingdom. Now, you've probably seen this lot around. Now, if you're, if you're one of them, it's okay. Like, I don't want to get all political right now. But, but you've seen this whole thing about, like, turning up where, where King Charlie is, and they go, not my king, not my king, and they're shouting things at him. I, I really don't want to get political, but I do want to point out a technical fault here, because the UK is a kingdom, uh, and the UK has a king, and therefore the, the citizens of the UK have a king. <laughs> He is your king. So maybe, maybe a better slogan would be, I prefer not to have a king. I mean, it's a bit too wordy, isn't it? <laughs> you know? Or, I don't want a king. King's out. Uh, you know, or, or maybe, you know, the slogan's that we should be a republic. You know, that's, that's legitimate. You, you can have that protest in, in a country of free speech. But, but it's not true to say, he is not my king. But in heaven's kingdom, you cannot say, not my king and remain a citizen of that kingdom. To reject the king is to reject the kingdom. The second thing to note on this is it's not an earthly kingdom. Now, perhaps that's obvious because we're talking about a kingdom of heaven, but it means this kingdom doesn't operate in the same way that our earthly models of society work. Every single one is broken and flawed. There is not a governance in this world that has nailed it down and has it right. And so capitalism, socialism, communism, whatever other ism there is, it isn't flawless. It will never work. And that's why the, sometimes you can see some things in communism or socialism and go, oh, that sounds quite nice. You know, everyone gets equal amounts. It sounds good. But the problem is people are always involved in this. Uh, but the kingdom of heaven is not like that because it doesn't have the same kind of king. And uh, in Revelation 21:1 it says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, 
for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. There's something new coming. And he notes this, and there was no longer any sea. Now, if any of you surfers out there, any of you, you know, you surf kayakers or anything like that are a bit disappointed to hear that, there'll be no more sea. I don't think it's talking about something physical because the sea represents chaos and division. And so what he's seeing here is that in this new heaven and this new earth where the kingdom of God is fully inaugurated, there'll be no more division. There'll be no more chaos. There'll be no more brokenness. It'll be a perfect rule. And that is the kind of kingdom. But, but the kingdom of heaven is also present here and now on earth in every nation, except perhaps for a few tribes that are still to be reached. It's present in and through us and through Jesus in us. It's sizable, this kingdom. 2.28 billion as an estimate Christians in the world today. That's pretty big. I'm not sure how big China is but I think it's got some competition with the church. And uh, it's powerful. Our schools, our hospitals, our legal and justice systems, uh, the abolition of slavery all came through this kingdom of God. They are all the artifacts and the, the effects of the kingdom in power, endued with the Holy Spirit's power, doing their thing through the ages. And it's different. It's a different kind of kingdom. It's set apart. It's holy. It doesn't operate in the same way. And so even though the church is not yet perfect, because we're not, remember, declared perfect, being made perfect. Jesus has declared the church to be his beautiful bride and he is making her perfect. And so God's kingdom rules and reigns in the midst of brokenness. Even now, even with what you can put your mind upon that you can go, well, that's broken. God's kingdom rules and reigns in the midst of all of that. And that's beautiful, and he's making all things new. Margaret preached that a couple of weeks ago. But, but let's talk about the people for a second, because it says that they are from every tribe and tongue and every denomination. Revelation 5, 9 to 10, Josh sang this last week. We, didn't we lift the roof as we sang this song? You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain and with your blood you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation and you have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God and they will reign on the earth. You know, priests don't rule, they, they serve. That's the role of a priest. They serve before God. It's not the lofty position in front of people. It's that they serve God. And that is what we all do. So there, there will be and there should be no partisanship, no tribalism. In Christ, all look the same, even through uniqueness. We all have the identity of Christ. And I love this church. Just have a quick look around. Just have a quick look around. In this room, different nationalities, even the English. Backgrounds, different backgrounds, different ages, different experiences. In this room, we have Presbyterians. You're welcome as well. We have Pentecostals. We have Evangelicals. We have Charismatics. We have people who've come from the Catholic Church. And we've got Anglicans here. I mean, wow. 
you know. But we've got Anglicans. I grew up in the Anglican church. We've got everything. In fact, I would say I'm an Anglo Baptist Coastal Caris Jellicalmatic. <laughs> Expialidocious. <laughs> Because there's one identity, and that identity is Jesus. It is his, it is his church, people. One people in Christ. And it has this beautiful culture in it. Just as citizens of Britain, it means something to us, doesn't it? It means we, we share language. I mean, mostly, you've got some weird words, but it means we share language. It means we, work, we share things like taste and values and, and culture. Although, I, I'll admit, England doesn't have culture. It's got maypole dancers. Like, there's no culture to that. Let's put some bells around our ankles and dance around a pole. That's ridiculous. But you guys have culture. You've got bagpipes. I mean, that's, that's a way. But, you know, there's this national identity uh, and the kingdom of heaven has its own unique culture. It's not a national identity, so we can't get nationalistic, and we shouldn't get denominationalistic with it either. It's a heaven identity. And here's some characteristics. It, it's a culture of restoration. Redeeming, healing, restoring, forgiving. That's the culture of heaven. It's visible and engaged. When Jesus says we're to be like salt and light, we're to flavor, we're to heal, we're to be present, we're to be noticeable, we're to make things better, and we're to illuminate things. And Jesus says a city on a hill cannot be hidden. That's the identity of the church. We cannot be hidden. And even when the church goes underground, if you look at China, if you look at Russia during the Soviet era, the church bloomed. And it might have been invisible on the surface, but it was very visible, and the world noticed. The best thing that could happen to us, probably, is to, for us to be told you can no longer meet. And we'd be like, no, we will. <laughs> and we'll still be visible. It's a culture of family and farmers and fishermen where it's about casting and retrieving, about sowing and harvesting. It's about invitation and gathering. Family, farmers and fishermen. It's powerfully expansive, this kingdom. It cannot be stopped. Even the gates of hell can't prevail against the church. The church will be pressing those gates and those gates give way because they can't take the weight of the church. So whatever it looks like, feels like, seems like, the truth is this is an expansive kingdom, demolishing strongholds, taking ground, extending its boundaries, breaking chains, setting captives free. The year of the, uh, of, uh, the jubilee is upon us. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon us to go out and proclaim good news to the poor, to break the chains, to break the yokes. That is on the church, and it's a place where every citizen reflects and represents the king. Matthew, and I know Graham's going to come to this next week, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I'm with you always until the end of the age. And our vision here in Bowness is to grow or see a kingdom community grow here. Yes. 
It's a simple, but it's the best vision that you can possibly have. We could have a vision for opening up X amount of clubs and X amount of this, that, and the other, and whatever, but no, we don't want to complicate it. We want to see the kingdom grow in power, in stature, in confidence, in every way that it can grow. We want to see this kingdom grow in this town and there that is happening now and there's yet to come. And, and that's why we pray your kingdom come and your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven now and to come. So this kingdom has something here now. And, and we're not going to get to it by deciding to like do things. We get to that to do what God wants us to do by surrendering to his Holy Spirit and allowing his power to move through this town and this church. Margaret, this is a a beautiful thing about the the kingdom coming. Margaret spoke on this a couple of weeks ago. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea. I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and there'll be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things, that broken human way since the fool has passed away He who was seated on the throne said, I am making all things new. (laughs) Hallelujah. You see the destruction at the minute around the world. And we're so aware of it in Ukraine. We're also aware of what's happening environmentally in, in Europe. And you see that destruction. There's hope because... He is making all things new. And oh, what a day that will be. But I need to move on. Go linger on that later. Go read some of the chat. I know there's some crazy stuff in Revelation, but the plain thing is the main thing, and the main thing is the plain thing. Jesus is returning. His kingdom is glorious. Okay, that's what we need to fix our eyes on. So what does citizenship of heaven look like? Well, what do citizens look like? Well, they look like that culture I just mentioned. They look like the things that I've been referring to over the past few weeks, you know, mature, preferring each other's needs to our own, like showing love, genuine love for one another, showing hospitality in our hearts and in our homes. But, but here's the thing. These citizens of heaven cannot be like Brits abroad. I mean, I say that kind of flippantly. I hate it when I, I just want a bit of peace. And I go to a nice place like Barcelona, and it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. and you got some drunk guys just like wandering around, and it's like, what are you doing? You're misrepresenting our country and everything like that. Look, church, we can't be leery or crude or volatile or aggressive, acting like drunkards, because that's not who we are. We we shouldn't be sticking with our own in our isolated little huddles like expats sometimes do clear from those outside. We shouldn't be aloof or elitist. We shouldn't be scorning or ridiculing of people. We shouldn't be mean-spirited because that's not who we are. And we shouldn't be whinging about everything, which I find really difficult not to do. It's raining. But like, there's a different culture in our hearts. Let's open up and let that culture flow by the power of the Holy Spirit. We're not like the rest of the world. 
And even when the rest of the world seems virtuous and free, we're different. We're different. As citizens of heaven, there's an entirely different identity, godly, set apart, marked by obedience and service, sacrifice, and the Spirit's fruit alive and growing in us. And I haven't got time to go back over those, but uh, Galatians 5.22, have a look at that. And we're different because this is not our home. This is not our home. We're strangers living in the land. We're in the world, but we're not of the world. And this means two things. Often it creates a tension. Like sometimes an English person living in Scotland. <laughs> like, I'm not dissing you, it's not you. There's just a tension there, like the flag. Like, I didn't know that if it was a proper union flag. That, that means something here that it doesn't mean in England. Like, if you go to England, like, that flag's really safe. The St. George's Cross, that's nationalistic. That's like the BNP and people like that. They'll be like, hey, England, kind of thing. And, like, I don't like that, but, but that flag means something, that, but, but it means something here. So there's a tension. There's a tension in our history. I apologize for that, by the way. There's a difference in our accent, in our language, in our view, in our outlook, in our behavior. There's a couple of people here today that I still, like, if I don't understand you after three times saying the same thing, I just go, oh, okay. <laughs> just, like, pretend that because it's just too embarrassing. Like, there's a difference. <laughs> and, and in that, there's a difference between how Christians are and how non-Christians are. Peter says this, they're surprised, or rather they consider it strange that you don't act like them, that you don't join them in their reckless wild living and they heap abuse on you for it. We're different, we're meant to be different, and we're longing for home, that's the other reason that, that there's tension here. We're longing, we're eagerly awaiting. However settled we feel, whatever our lot in life looks like, we're longing, we're longing for home. And, and it's not a home in location, but within ourselves. The Romans 8 says, we know that the whole of creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to this present time. Not only so, but we ourselves, who are the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we eagerly await our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies, for this is the hope in which we're saved. We are children of God and we are to be children of God. We are declared perfect. We are to be made perfect. We are declared righteous. We are being made righteous. He who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. Oh, there's so much. I don't want to overload. You know there's going to be something different about you. We are children of God, but this is what John says. What we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him. For we will see him as he is. So we know something different is coming, something glorious, something wonderful. We don't know what that's going to look like, but we know it's going to look like Jesus. His glorious body and we'll see him. At the minute we see like a reflection in a mirror, but then we'll see him face to face and know him fully. That there's a sense in all of us that we need our bodies to be transformed. I know this is a hot debate, and there's something in it 
Remember, we don't want to ridicule or scorn when we disagree. But, but there's something about this. Every human being knows all is not right with their body. And if you don't know it yet, you will. Get to 40. You'll understand. You start having to shave your ears. It's like something changes. You feel like your body doesn't work properly. It doesn't do what you want it to do. It doesn't look like, I mean, how many of you just get out of bed and go, right, I'm off. <laughs> like you don't, you, you have a shower because you don't want to be stinky. You, you, you do your hair, you maybe put some makeup on it, you know, whatever your thing is, you spend a bit of time in front of the mirror because you don't want to present yourself like that because you know something's not quite right, but it will be. All of our bodies, our lowly bodies that, that Paul talks about in the, these verses will be transformed and they will be like his glorious body. Hallelujah. I'm looking forward to getting rid of that. I'm looking forward to getting rid of my asthma. You know, there's things that I just like, take it, Lord. I want to be like you, Jesus. And that is where we want to be. So I'm going to wrap this up. How do you gain citizenship? It's not like the British citizenship test, where you have to live here a certain amount of time and then do a ridiculous test that I don't think the king himself could pass. And that's difficult, but the entry into the kingdom of heaven is harder. It's more difficult. In fact, it's impossible. But hallelujah. We have a God who can do the impossible. A God who says, with me, all things are possible. And so the impossible is done through Jesus Christ. And you can become a citizen. A couple of things. Repent and believe. Repent just means turn Turn away from your way of doing it, turn to his way of doing it. Turn from yourself, turn to Christ. Turn, and you can gain citizenship. And what's the benefit of that? Premium level citizenship. Adoption into sonship, male or female. It's a position, it's a legal thing, which means full access to the benefit system of heaven, to the kingdom's resources and the kingdom's treasures, full access. You are not orphans. You are not orphans scratching about trying to figure out how to make a way. You are children of the King of Kings. Like, lift your heads, church. Lift your heads. Whatever it looks like now, walk around like you are a child of the King of Kings. Not in arrogance, but in joy, in confidence, in peace, in power. You have access to everything. And there's still more to come. Can we stand together? Still more to come. Just as we reflect, and I, I, Margaret might say something on this in a minute, but... Whatever season or situation you're in right now, just hold that in your mind. Bring it to the front, even if it's painful. And I, I'm asking you gently, and if it's too much, that's up to you. The situation or season you're in, whether it's imperiled or just imperfect, 
if you're longing for change, if you know or recognize that there could be or should be more or better, there is more. There is more now, and there is more yet to come. So don't let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, Jesus says, believe also in me. In my Father's house, there are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you that I'm going there. Uh, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back. And I will take you to be with me, that where you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. The way is Jesus. Amen.